we uh, are today going to be taking a moment at the end of the service to wait on the Lord and say, God, what are you asking of me? What are you asking of our family as we partner with this church? But you know, the, the truth is, is that we only generously give out of what we've already been given. And generosity starts with first receiving from the gener- generous God, what God has done for us. Um, we're going to take communion here in a minute, but I wanted to remind us, and I want you to remind yourselves, and we're going to remind one another uh, just how generous God has been to us. Amen? Amen. So start Amen. thinking, start reflecting. John 3.16 says, For God so loved this world that He gave His only Son, that whoever, whoever, young and old, rich or poor, whatever country or background you come from, whoever believes in me will not die, but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinning, while we were still doing things our own way, in opposite of who God was, it says that Jesus Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. John 10.10. 10, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. We could go on, couldn't we? We should go on. We're going to keep on going on here for a few minutes. One last passage of scripture that um, I've been thinking about this week, and as we were praying uh, over the service this morning, another person talked about it from uh, seeing it as a picture of what God is doing in us these last few weeks. John 7.37 and following. I I want you to hear this out of the New Living Translation, because I want you to capture how excited Jesus is about this declaration. There's a festival going on, and it says, on the last day, at the climax of this festival, Jesus stood, and he shouted to the crowds. So not he didn't just, you know, kind of stand up there piously and, you know, I just want to share one more truth about me. <laughs> but he got up on something, and there's crowds of people, and he shouted, and this is what he shouted. I'll try not to shout if you want to mic me down or something. I can see, I can see Sarah. She's already got her hand on the, <laughs> Lord, here he goes. Here he goes. It says, on the last day he shouted, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from your hearts. And when he said living waters, or rivers, the river church, hallelujah, when he said living waters, he was speaking of the spirit of God who would be given to everyone who believed in him. And the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. But he was prophesying that when you believe in me, You will not only receive forgiveness, uh, you will not only have your lives transformed and turned upside down, you will not only have eternal life, but the living God is going to come and live inside of you. The Spirit of God. Rivers of living water, streams of living water pouring out of us. God gave to us generously what only He could give. But we couldn't give what He gave. He gave His only Son. Death for life, forgiveness and redemption for our sin and our defeat. More than we ever deserve. That's what grace is. 
Grace is unmerited, unworked for, undeserved favor from God. Are you thankful yet? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Let's shout it out. What are you thankful for that God has given you? Friendship, salvation. Okay, so let's stop. You're saying it way too nice. What are you thankful for? And I want to hear it with great joy. <laughs> You're what? Thank you. Oh, you just earned brownie points, bro. That's good. Way Always a good answer. <laughs> what else? Healing. Yes. Yes. While we're doing this, ushers, come on forward with the communion elements. I'm sorry. You're sitting back there waiting for me to tell you to do that. Come on out. Forgiveness, forgiveness, grace. Yes, snow, snow. You'll never look at snow the same way again. Thank you. Abundant three feet of mercy snow for me. Freedom from the power of sin. God gives us power and purpose. That sounded like God. Do that again. (laughs) We still feel like Jason sounds like God. I want to go. God gives us power and purpose. Amen. Yes. I'm sorry, we got two at the same time. Say yours first, then I think it was Victoria, but he's preparing a place for us. He is overcome. Reconciliation. Provision. Redemption. I was just about to say we could go on all day, but we could, couldn't we? So we're going to start with those offerings. And we are going to take... We're going to eat what symbolizes his body that was pierced, that was nailed, that was beaten, that was crucified. Because in his heart, all of these things you've said and so much more, he thought about and he died for. Generous, generous, overwhelming, abundant, more than we can ever even begin to speak about generosity from God and love has been poured out to us. Stand up with me. So we eat and as we drink this this juice that represents the blood of Christ that was poured out, shed for you so that we could be forgiven and redeemed and set free. Let's thank God for His generosity. And I would encourage you to do this, not just the words you spoke, But could you remember the story? Can you remember the story that once you were blind and now you see? Once you were dead in your sins, hopeless, dead end, dark, dark tunnel, no hope. And Jesus broke through and gave you hope. Would you please? 
before the Lord, as I as well will do, remember and acknowledge what Christ has done for you. And receive with great thanksgiving, no work, no condemnation, no striving. Just receive. That's how much God loves you and much more. Because we can't even fathom or understand or begin to describe everything that God has prepared for those who He loves. We praise you, Jesus, and we receive generously your love and your life this morning as we take communion together. In Jesus' name, we do it here at the River Church where you'll go out your row front to back from to the left. Come down. Each section has the elements. You'll come down. You'll pick up the, a wafer and, a, and juice. You'll come back to your seat. We'll hold on to it till everybody is served and we'll take communion together. If you are gluten intolerant, we have this, the, the wafers are gluten-free, so you're good to go. Let's come forward and let's take the elements. Generosity. What a great concept. What a great thought. Uh, Google definitions says this, the quality of being kind and generous. You're never supposed to use the word in your definition. I just want to remind Google of that. The quality or fact of being plentiful or large. Wikipedia says it this way. The habit of giving without expecting anything in return. It can involve offering time, assets, or talents to aid someone in need. As I kind of think about what the Bible says about generosity, I I wrote a sentence that kind of encompasses at some level or some part of scriptures or thoughts or themes that I I know are true about God, but I see definition as one who has, or the person who is generous, one who has something to give and giving it extravagantly with joy and love in worship to God and as an offering to others. Oftentimes that generosity is expressed or given to those who are in need or doing the works of God. Generous generosity. God has been generous to you, hasn't he? He's been generous to me. And we're called to be generous people because we have something to give. And so we started out this message time or this time of reflection by taking communion together, by remembering God's generosity, his forgiveness, his grace. And you know, that's really what this whole series has been about. It's been about generosity. It's been about remembering what Christ has done for us and then positioning ourselves to be an offering back to him, to give back to him. And I've had so many conversations with different ones of you, and God is doing unique works in each one of you. He's doing things that are similar, but very uniquely he is touching your place of living before Him, and He's touching your place of understanding what it means to receive from Him. You know, if you are, if if the only thing that happens to you through these four or five or six weeks that we spend our time looking at God's generosity, specifically in the area of finances, if all that happens in you or me is that we have a greater understanding, we are more transformed by how much God has loved us, that would be a tremendous start. Because for some of us, we don't even get going on the other part of the equation because we have not received from a generous God. 
So if that happens in you, that's awesome. But this has been about receiving grace. This is about receiving generously from the Lord. And really, when we talk about revival, we've been singing about it the last couple of weeks, about God do a miracle in us, revive us. Isn't that what revival is really all about? It's coming alive to the reality that God is an awesome and glorious and generous God, and that He's so abundantly blessed us that we get excited about Him, and we get excited about showing and demonstrating the love of God to others. That is revival. That is revival. And we are experiencing revival in this church right now because people are getting set free in receiving from God and knowing God. So recap of this series for those of you who've been in and out. We've talked about, we started off talking about treasure. We started off in Matthew 6 listening to this phrase from Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What your heart is given to, what your heart longs for, what your heart expresses itself in actions or deeds, that is where your treasure is. We listened last week when Brendan and Noah got up on the, on the stage and talked about uh, moving from Africa to here and having to let go of all their stuff and, and give away their toys. And Noah giving away his toys. And Brendan being reminded, God, really, my treasure is you. My treasure is you. In Africa or in, in Waltham, my treasure is you. And you are the giver of stuff. I don't have to worry about my stuff because my treasure is you. Where is your treasure? We asked. We moved on and started talking about lies that we believe. Strongholds in our life that keep us from really receiving the generosity of God and, and keep us from acting generously. Well, anyway, I'm not going to go through all the lies or, or all the misconceptions, but we talked about having a scarcity mentality. How we are so concerned about being generous because if we give away too much or if we let go of too much, then what's going to be in there for me? And am I going to have everything that I need? And we, we talked about how we protect our stuff and we don't let go of it because we need to, we need to hold on to it for a rainy day. We might need to, need to have that or I really want that. And I shared the story about being around the table at my house and asking for a, a piece of dessert from one of my kids that has gotten a piece of dessert that I've bought, that my wife has made, that we have provided for our kids, and the reaction within a kid, that's the reaction within an adult, which is, I don't think so. I, I want this dessert. I, and then, you know, the quick eating of everything that they can on the plate, <laughs> and maybe giving me the leftovers, if there's anything left over. That we live in scarcity, not remembering that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 24, 1. We talked about how, in many ways, debt is like being a thief with God. Because we are stealing from our future to pay for something we have to have right now. Not trusting that God will take care in time 
of us with what we need. And even we know that he abundantly provides more than we can ever hope for or imagine. That the blessings that we got to have now, God will give them in time. And they'll be so much more glorious and we won't be in debt. And we won't have the chain around us of those debts owed. We looked at this passage of scripture in Ephesians 4. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. Be good workers. Be diligent in how you provide and care for your family. Be diligent in how you observe and watch over your finances, but not so that it could be for your kingdom. What's the end of the verse? So that you can then give, look at that word, generously to others in need. We'll come back to that in 2 Corinthians 9 a little bit later. Lord, let me live with integrity within my finances, we talked about, so that we are always in a position to not say, you know, I don't have anything to give because I'm up, in, up, in my, up to my eyeballs in debt and I just don't have any way to provide for myself and I just don't have time to give until I get everything here taken care of. Allow God to use your your gifts and your skills to work and to work hard and to manage your finances diligently and to not live borrowing against your future to have all the things you want right now and be in a place where you're always able with joy and generosity to give to those who are in need. Who, after all, controls our finances? Ultimately, even if we think we control our kingdom, And even if we're living for ourselves or living for others, either equation, at the end of the day, all of this doing that we do is really under the authority and the control of God. And we rehearse the story of even with great amounts of money stored up, a stock market can crash. A business can go bankrupt. A catastrophe can happen in our family. And the very barns that were full in one day can be empty. So therefore, it's not worth it to put our trust in stuff, our own control. But it's much more wise to put our trust and hope in the God who has, a cat, has cattle on thousands of hills and owns everything that this world possesses. We talked last week about tithes and offerings, and we read Malachi 3 that says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and diseases. And Talking to people who, hearing stories of people who, either neither grew up in, a, in, a, in a, an environment where they were giving towards God or if they were giving, it was, a, it was a dollar in the offering plate just to say that I gave. And receiving the truth or the, the, the testimony of not only the tithe, but God, really everything I have is yours. And offering abundantly and consistently to the Lord and to the storehouse, to the church and to, to the poor and to the needy and, and giving unto the Lord and realizing that we can't outgive God. I have never seen a person extravagantly give who said, wow, I just gave a little bit too much. Now I'm in a really bad place. Never heard that story. I've heard stories where people have said, man, I gave way more than I thought I could, and God provided. Or I consistently gave, and God 
consistently took care of my needs. I've always heard those stories, and those stories have been my stories. But I've never heard somebody who said, you know, I was really a generous giver, and then I just one time I gave too much, and my whole life fell apart. Never heard that story. Because we can't outgive God. Because God is honored by faith. Because God is honored by a thankful, joyful response to him. We ask the question, do I really trust you, God? Do I really know what it looks like to receive your love and to love you? Will you really take care of me? And around my table and maybe many tables, uh, as we've been discussing this deep campaign, this scripture was focused upon. It's Matthew six thirty-three. So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And you add whatever. Where will we live? What? How will I pay? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Is that a promise or a maybe? It's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise from Jesus. Seek me. Live for me righteously. Do the things of of the kingdom. Live wholeheartedly for me. I'm going to take care of all your needs. Don't even think about that. I got that covered. That's my deal. I'm a great accountant. So we've heard over and over again stories of faithfulness of how when I gave, David, Pucci standing up here and saying, when we, out of our place of need, we were saving up for a house, but we felt like the Lord said, give it. We gave it, and he said, you know, we recognized right then that it was going to take an act of Congress for us to be able to buy a house. And an act of Congress actually happened. And he was able to purchase a house without that down payment that they had stored up and given. God gave them a different kind of down payment. Not only a way to buy a house, but a testimony of God's faithfulness. And they'll never be the same. Because they've already tested God and seen that he's faithful. For those of you who have already tested, we've heard the stories. Those who are giving again. You're giving again because you've already tested God's faithfulness. And he has been found faithful to you. So it's worth investing. We heard a story, heard a story yesterday of someone who the husband and wife were praying and they were asking the Lord about what to give during this campaign and God gave them a number that was much bigger than they were thinking that they could give and as they prayed, the phrase came, came to them, who is ultimately your provider? And they looked at each other and they acknowledged it's God. So you can give because he's going to provide. And then for some of us, as we've gone through this campaign, and this would be true for me, and I haven't preached on this, but we've come to the place of going, okay, God, how important is the church to me? Really? That's been my journey. You're like, wait, you're the pastor. Well, yeah, but I'm also a member of this church. And when I start thinking about what God's asking us to do and the 
the number that God put in our hearts that was a number bigger than was comfortable for me. I had to ask the question, how much do I believe in the church? How much do I believe that the church is the world's hope? Because Christ, his body, his living expression of who he is, is who you and I are. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. The church is the full living expression of Jesus. I used to pray with a man who would pray every, every time we got together. He'd pray for the city that we lived in and he said, Jesus, I, from the first street in the town to the last street, I'm praying that you are walking through the town in glory. The people see Jesus. And that is seen, he would pray, through your church. May they see the full embodiment of Christ walk and live in Waltham and in the surrounding towns. I am glad when I suffer for you, Paul said, in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too, which means now for everybody. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. I had to say again to the Lord, God, I believe in your church. I believe in it. And I believe in it, and we believe in it. Laura and I believe in it with our money. Not just my preaching, not just my going out on the streets and telling people about Jesus, not just visiting people in hospitals, not just doing the work of ministry, not just be, but I believe in it with my resources. I believe that we need to to give more so that we can raise up more laborers, so that we can do more in this city. Some of us have been asking, do I believe in the church? Do I believe in the river church? Got a written testimony this week from a Brandeis student. Let's hear it for Brandeis students. It's a setup because I knew there was a lot of you in here. When this campaign started, I pretty much instantly could tell that God was going to do something through it. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, and I wasn't sure I'd be ready. But that's part of the excitement of God, isn't it? By the way, I'm not going to read all of Beth's email. But I moved to Waltham about six months ago for graduate school and for God. And after moving here, I was slowly finding community but being completely honest, I think I was a hesitant. I was hesitant to really commit. I knew I was where God called me, but I was stubbornly, stubbornly crossing my arms, trying to dig my heels in. But once again, God opened a door, and I was called to take a step. Throughout the past four weeks, as the deep campaign has been talked about and Sean has been preaching on it, I felt that tug. I felt over and over again that God was nudging me to start giving to the river. In the past, I had found excuse after excuse to limit my monetary giving because I was a student or whatever else I tried to hide behind. And finally, one day during my time with God, I was praying begrudgingly 
about what I was being called to give. I was definitely looking for an exact number that would fit into my budget. I wrote the questions, what do you want me to give, God? And pretty much instantly I heard, heard, what hurts to give? Ouch. It was in that moment that I started feeling the conviction to stretch my giving, not to give the most of anything like that, but to give to the point where it hurts me. Because sacrificing for the kingdom is not supposed to be comfortable or necessarily pleasant. Giving to the deep campaign is not just to give because the church needs it or because it's a good idea. Giving is so that I can put a stake in the ground and claim this people, the river, as my community. God has called me here. He's called me to commit through my money, my time, and my energy. There's something about committing to give through this campaign that has given me a sense of belonging that I've been trying to avoid in a way. But God is calling me to go into a place of my fear, laughing at the attempts of the enemy to scare me. Going deep in this campaign is not just about deep pockets. It's about a deep commitment to the people of God in the movement he has started and and isn't finished with. Amen? Last passage this morning that I want us to look at about generosity is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. We'll read it here. Um, But before this passage of Scripture, Paul is coming. He's sending people to the Corinthians to receive their pledges. It's interesting. 2 Corinthians 8 talks about the, the poor church in Macedonia and how they were stirred in their poverty to give because of the pledges that were made by the Corinthian church. They were encouraged that the Corinthian church was giving out of their need, and so Macedonia was was encouraged to give. And Paul was communicating to the Corinthians, hey, your testimony about your pledges is stirring up believers all over the place. Thank you. And so now as I'm sending people back, this is the first part of 2 Corinthians 9, make sure that you're faithful to the pledge that you've given. Because if you don't follow through with your pledge, it'll be an embarrassment not only to me, but to the people of God who have believed in what you've committed to give. And then he he goes into this this, this, um, passage. Verse 6, remember this, the farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much you should give. Look at that. Right back to the beginning. It's about our hearts. It's not about your neighbor's heart. It's not about the pastor's heart. It's about your heart. What has God done in you to this point over these last few weeks, over these last few years, over these last few days, over these last few hours, over these last few minutes? It's never too late to let God get a hold of your heart. But your generosity, remember, Paul said, If you decide you want a small crop, then give a little bit. Plant a few seeds. But if you want to see something big happen, then invest generously. I've been praying. We put a number out because there were needs that we could see, and there was a calculation that we could do to see what could a congregation like you give. And we put out a number based on need and faith. But I've been believing God knocked that number out of the water. Lord, let more seeds be sown. Let more generosity be given than just a number. But God, what do you want to do? I think you have big things for the river. You have big things for Waltham in this area. But God's asking us, what's in your heart? 
how have you been generously affected precedes how you generously give. Randy Alcorn, uh, a theologian and a pastor, says it this way. As thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. It is just how it works. Charlie was, was sharing yesterday that he was driving to a meeting that we had with our leaders. We met as leaders, yes, servant leaders. A group of, of those who serve you and lead out in the church met yesterday to give a first offering. And he was sharing, as I was driving here, I was reminded of the woman who poured out perfume on Christ's feet. And people were saying, ah, what are you doing? That, that, that perfume could have, that's such a waste. Why are you giving so much? That's your inheritance. That's, we could, if you're going to do that, don't just pour it all over his feet. Do something really noble with that money. No! My year's savings is going on Christ's feet because he is to be worshipped. It makes no sense what she offered other than to Jesus, who saw her heart and said, perfume, perfume. I can give her a hundred bottles of perfume, but only she can give me that kind of heart. Because she's been transformed by grace. She doesn't have any other expression but to take what she can find. Give me that perfume. Jesus, with her tears and her hair and perfume, rubbing and massaging and worshiping the feet of Jesus. That's generosity. That is generosity. And he said to her, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. Many sins, many blemishes, many mistakes, transformed by the grace of God, extravagantly poured out an offering of not only a heart worship, but a monetary worship. Read on. And don't give reluctantly or in response to a pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So what does your heart say? Well, if it's reluctant, don't give. Don't give. If it's reluctant, don't give. Don't give. Reluctance ends up blaming God and feeling sorry after the gift. As soon as you put that offering in the plate, you're going to feel like, oh, what have I done? Ah. Don't give it. If you're under compulsion, if you feel pressure from me or from somebody else or from your neighbor or whatever, don't give. You have freedom from me. Do not give. I do not want your money under compulsion. Nor does God. Because you'll end up blaming me. And you'll end up blaming the church. And you'll end up blaming others. Don't give. The only offering that God wants from us is one that is cheerful. And cheerful means that we are aware of what he's done for us. And we are confident that we can trust him and that he can take care of you. If you have a cheerful heart in your giving, give! Give! If there's cheer and joy in your heart to give, give! And give again, because God loves 
that. And what does it say? Read on with me. And God, if you give cheerfully, will generously provide for all your needs. Then you will always share every. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You see that theme again that we were talking about earlier. As the scriptures say, they shared freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. God abundantly provides for and takes care of the giver. There's a theme here. I'm reminding you over and over that this is His promise. Abundance. Blessing. So a couple of thoughts about that. That. You're not too poor to give to God. You're not too poor to give to God. The Macedonians were poor, and they begged Paul to let them give. Why? Because they knew the teaching of Jesus to be true. It's more blessed for us to be able to give than receive. We're not just going to always be on the end of the receiving line. But I have something to give, and it might not be grand and gloriously large like that person or that church or whatever, but what I have, I have been given by God, and I'm going to give something back to God. Let me, Paul, let me give. Paul might have been saying, you know what, you guys are a poor church, some other churches do it, you're in a hard place. No! You are robbing from us the privilege of being able to give, and some of you are saying, I can't give because I'm too poor. You are not too poor if you have been given something by God. The widow's might was enough. God's not looking at the percentage. He's not looking at the number. He's looking at your heart. I was talking to somebody last week who shared that thought, and I said, well, you know what? Let's just be practical. Is there anything in your life where you don't feel like you have anything to give that you really could not buy or spend money on? How about you? Dunkin' Donuts? Starbucks? Cable? Gadgets. You know, we just don't have anything. But hey, wait, 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 wait. I need those things. I've got to have coffee to stay awake, Pastor. It's got to be good coffee. I've got to have my gadgets. They make me happy. I've got to have my. What is it that God's saying? Okay, your bank account is zero every month. Is there something that you can stop buying and give? There are ways to give to God. And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about. M- monetarily. But we've also been made rich to give. Verse 11 again, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. The results, needs met. Needs met. And praise to Jesus. Yesterday, I said that the leaders gathered and um, we had been fasting, and we broke the fast, and we looked at First Chronicles 29, which was an example of giving in the Old Testament where they were building the temple, and, it, and the, King David shared what he was giving, and then the leaders responded by giving themselves. That was First Chronicles 29. We did that exactly like that yesterday. And then we received the, the pledge, the offering, and there was a great outpouring. There was a great outpouring of giving that happened. So much so that people were crying. That was me. And there were people 
that were laughing and joyfully dancing, and we sang, Lord, build your kingdom now, and we were shouting and praising God because of the glorious outpouring of just those who, and not all of our leaders, just some of our leaders that were able to gather yesterday. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. The dancing started yesterday. We're believing that the dancing will continue today. We started this campaign with a video, a deep video, and we're going to show it again to show you real specifically what our heart is and where we are giving. You've read the booklet. Some of you have seen the video, and then we're going to go from that video into a time of offering. Um, So let's watch the video and go from there. If you're a visitor here today, obviously we're not expecting anything from you other than to thank you for being here. (laughs) And uh, maybe you have a chance to kind of observe uh, one way that a church goes about articulating God's heart and giving, but also what it might look like in the expression of giving. So thank you for being with us. Secondly, we recognize that for those of you who have been visiting for a while or a part of the River Church, uh, that this is a journey that you're on and it's not our journey to dictate to you what it looks like. Hopefully, God's spoken to you and there's a place of commitment and a place of joining in or putting a stake in the ground that God has spoken to you. But um, if not, you are free. Do not feel like you have to fill out a card or sign anything or make a pledge. You do what the Lord is calling you to. You know, I had a question. uh, Somebody asked me, you know, as we are in different places in life, um, like... uh, Maybe we're married and we're, we're believing, but our spouse is not, but our finances are together. Well, don't, if you're in that situation, don't feel the pressure to have to do something financially. God understands your situation. And uh, he knows how to give in those circumstances. Let God generously love on you and use you how he wants to use you. This is about God cheerfully doing something through you that brings you delight, brings you joy and worships God. As you look at the card, I just want to remind you that um, this campaign is a two-year campaign, and so some people will give uh, as has already happened, uh, all of it up front. And it might be that part of your way of being able to give is to stage it over 24 months or however you need to do that. So think 24 months especially for those of you who are paying it out over time or pledging over time. You can break it down that way. You know, last week we talked about tithing and giving to the church, and if one of your steps or if your only step is increasing your giving to the annual operating operating budget, that's awesome too. That could be your pledge. It could be what you pledge along with a one-time offering. So many different ways which God's speaking. We want you to hear that together. So the band is going to just play for a few minutes. One more thing. I, I love that question that was written by Beth in her, her, her email, but also was shared in a faith group this week. Uh, the question of God, what can I give, is not the question, but the question is, what do you want me to give? So as you're asking, what do you want me to give, believe that the promise in James 1 is true, that if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So you say, God, what do I do? God loves to say, oh, let me tell you what you can do. He loves to speak, and you can listen to him and do 
So as we pause for a few minutes here, let's ask that question, if you haven't already, and let God speak. When you feel like, when you feel like that you've heard, then you can fill out the card, or there's also offering envelopes that you can... What, what, is, what are you telling me, Charlie? Yeah, we didn't take up offering in the service, uh, the, the normal offering, so if you want to put that in the baskets as well as you can. We have three baskets. I'm going to put the, pull this basket up here on the stage. We have two out here. You pray, you listen, you uh, partner with your, your spouse if you're married and, or your family, however you're doing that. And then when you're ready to stand up and place your offering in the baskets, you go for it. We're going to make this a kind of a holy reverent time. So if you finished, you can then be dismissed to go get your kids. If you want to stay in and worship after your giving, you can. But we're just asking that you be quiet, that you part quietly so that this time can be a time of reflection and hearing from the Lord. God bless you. Cheryl. Yeah, so this information back here, oh, they have that. We might not have it. So fill it out again for us because some of our information is outdated for you or is lost. So this will really help us with our records. Okay. God bless.